Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Episode 9, Overcoming Anxiety, with anxiety expert, author and hypnotherapist Chloe Brotheridge. Welcome to the Alternatively Healthy Podcast. I am your host, Becky Rabin, personal trainer, wellness coach, and founder of online wellness magazine, Alternatively Healthy. This is your high vibe, soul soothing weekly dose of wellness. Each week, I will be getting up close and personal, bringing you conversation and insight with some of the wellness industry's most renowned health practitioners, coaches, experts, and thought leaders from around the world. Through our podcast, we hope to give you all the information, resources, and tools that you need to help shape the healthiest and happiest version of you. Chloe is well-renowned within the wellness industry as a leading hypnotherapist and anxiety expert. As author of The Anxiety Solution and owner of KarmaU.com, she is dedicated to helping girls battle anxiety, overcome it, and beat it once and for all. So today we have the wonderful Chloe joining us. Chloe is the most incredible author. I've worked with Chloe myself on struggling with anxiety and I'm really excited about this one today. So thank you for joining us, Chloe. Thank you. Having been someone that has worked with you and also someone who I've been really honest about my own battles with anxiety over the years, especially when I was early 20s. I know how damaged it can be. I know how much it can take over your life. And I also know that for me, there were very different levels of anxiety that I dealt with. And it was in different places or different situations. And they all felt very different. So I think the work that you're doing firstly is just absolutely amazing in this industry, because I know so many girls that are struggling with slowing down and calming down and kind of releasing that anxiety. So firstly, I guess I want to ask you, just from your experience, what actually do you define as anxiety? How do you define it? It's such a broad term, I think. It's really an umbrella term to describe a lot of different symptoms. You know, I suppose if you were to define it, it would be worry, nervousness and fear. That's usually about something in the future, but it can be things in the moment. And there are loads of different types of anxiety. So it might be general anxiety where you're basically worried about everything. Yeah. It might be social anxiety, which is so much more than just being shy. It's actually feeling as though social situations are life or death. You yeah. know, your body's responding so strongly and it with such a powerful kind of fight or flight response. Things like OCD is a type of anxiety. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And phobias as well, types of anxiety. So it's a big umbrella term to describe lots of different 
issues. And then with it being such a big umbrella term, does it then almost become really difficult for someone to identify whether they might be having anxiety? Because what are the typical symptoms that we might face? Does it differ depending on the different type of anxiety? Yeah, so I think sometimes people get confused as to what is just normal anxiety because some anxiety is normal. We're all going to feel overwhelmed at times. We're all going to worry about things. We're all going to get scared at times. But people sometimes wonder, when is it actually a problem that I need to go to my doctor about and what is actually just normal? And I suppose, you know, you've got to judge it for yourself if it's affecting your life or not and if it's holding you back from doing what you want to do, if it's making you unhappy if it's ruining your peace of mind in the moment and actually if you go to a doctor they will ask you to fill out a form and basically ask you different questions like how many days of the month do you spend worrying and does it affect your sleep and that sort of thing and they will basically diagnose you as having either mild or moderate or severe anxiety through that but a lot of the symptoms would be worrying about things and feeling as if you can't stop worrying and ruminating over things it kind of taking over that would be a symptom it might be even really physical symptoms like getting really tense shoulders or having digestive issues like IBS can be a kind of a side effect of anxiety it might be feeling nervous all the time or shaking or sweating having panic attacks so there's loads of different symptoms and a lot of them are very physical I think that's what people that don't have anxiety often don't realize what a physical kind yeah. of illness it is it's not just a mental just, issue yeah I mean for me I knew that my like heart would race or it was just different each time so I guess one of the biggest things is if I was to say okay a lot of that what you're saying in terms of physical changes also is very linked to stress but also perhaps maybe exhaustion so how can someone tell the difference between whether they maybe have anxiety or exhaustion or maybe stress or is the line so blurred that there isn't really much of a difference and actually it's all kind of one thing perhaps that's a really good question so the I know lines it's a difficult are quite one. blurred yeah the lines are quite blurred but I suppose the big difference between stress and anxiety would be that you might be stressed at work yeah due to a deadline or something if you have anxiety you might finish work for the weekend and still have those symptoms of stress or anxiety or you might go on holiday and you're still worrying or you might change your job and you've still got that sense of feeling overwhelmed Mm. and often anxiety is about the way that you're processing your life and information and stress is about the external pressures that are on you you, so it's often to do with being busy deadlines or getting made redundant or being busy or something whereas anxiety it's almost as if it's to do with the way you think about things or the way Mm. that you respond to things that creates that sense of stress so, so the two can be really linked really basically. really so essentially from like actual scientific basis it's an internal thing that happens to your body and what is it that causes that what is it that causes our body to go into this state is it linked to like the flight fight mode or is it really just different for everybody exactly it is us going into fight or flight yeah. so you know, this was very helpful when we were evolving. We yeah. needed to get that rush of adrenaline so that we could run away and we could fight or we could deal with all of these life-threatening issues that yeah. as we were evolving, we would have had to deal with. Obviously, nowadays, our lives are very rarely at risk. We're much safer than we've ever been, yeah. even though we often don't feel very safe. No. We are actually, in reality, much right. safer. And yet, our bodies are wired to respond as if there's a threat. So, 
being late for work can feel as if it's life or death to mm. certain people. And yeah. you get that same rush of adrenaline yeah. as if, you know, you were running away from a tiger, you know, millions of years ago yeah it's crazy it's crazy how everything's evolved and we'll get onto that because I do really want to talk about the being busy all the time and the pressure and how that can relate but I guess we started talking about the many different types and the broad spectrum that is anxiety so I know that people will battle with anxiety in different ways whether it's like I used to battle with it in social situations I used to hate like I would avoid going to social situations but that was probably because I was dealing with other elements of maybe lack of self-belief in myself or not liking my body image but then I also get what I call the fear which is alcohol anxiety after I've had drink so what are the kind of most common sources of anxiety you come across when you're dealing with any of your clients what are the major like causes for concern that people have or causes for their anxiety yeah, I mean, alcohol anxiety yeah. is a big one. Absolutely massive. I notice on a Monday, I get a massive spike of people on yeah. my website because people are hungover, yeah. they're in work, and they're just having a horrible, horrible time horrible of it. time. And it's incredibly common, and often people don't necessarily want to stop drinking, but no. or maybe they use alcohol because it helps them to feel more confident or less anxious if they have to go out and socialise. So it can be a bit of a vicious cycle, I think, yeah. alcohol and anxiety. Definitely. And so the social anxiety and then anxiety of just things going wrong and phobias, you said, was quite a big one as well. Yeah. So phobias often develop because people have an initial event where they get very scared in a certain situation. Mm. So, for example, someone is on a plane and they have some really extreme turbulence Yeah, and they get a massive rush of adrenaline and fight or flight and their brain kind of just remembers, oh, planes can be dangerous, you know, because you've had that massive spike of adrenaline. It's as if your brain just logs that. And so the next time you get on a plane in certain people, obviously it doesn't happen for everyone, yeah. but your brain remembers, oh, you know, we had a dangerous near miss. Yeah. And so that creates a phobia. Yeah, it's so um, interesting. I used to have a phobia of fish. When I was younger I was a super fussy child and like with food and then so it was a food phobia of fish so and then I, I'll never forget my sister I was like oh how can you eat pig it rolls around in poo and her response was well how can you eat fish they swim in the sea and that's where everybody's poo goes and after that I could just never eat fish again and I actually had hypnotherapy when I was older to get rid of my fish phobia because it then turned into a phobia of being around fish in the sea and I wouldn't get in the sea so it's really interesting because I never actually thought that that was I guess it is an anxiety but I always just thought that was totally separate from anxiety and didn't really cross those two over so where do you think it's all gone wrong in today's society why have we seen such a spike in anxiety amongst young women or men too like where have we gone wrong somewhere yeah, I mean, there has always been anxiety, yeah. but it does seem as if it is getting worse and becoming more common. I mean, I don't want to blame social media for everything, yeah. <laughs> but I think social media does have a part to play because of this pressure and this comparison. Yeah. Because 50 years ago, we might have compared ourselves with the Smiths on our street and yeah. kind of seen what car they had or their handbag or whatever. But now we see what every single person on the planet is doing, doing what they have what they've achieved and it's so easy just to compare yourself to the top one percent of people who are the most beautiful and rich yeah. and successful and we're never going to measure up if we're comparing ourselves to those people so there's a lot of comparison pressure. it yeah. fuels a sense of not being good enough 
a sense that we're failures, which massively kind of plays into our mental health. But Mm. I mean, there are so many reasons. I mean, young women, that's the group that experiences anxiety the most. Yeah. And we are probably the ones comparing ourselves the most. And I think it's something that perhaps like, I mean, whenever I do talk about it on social with my clients, I almost get like a massive round of applause for doing it. And I'm like, that's not why I'm doing it. So it's almost like people are scared to kind of admit it. Like I see when I put the stories up of the articles that we've written on Alternatively Healthy, the majority of the swipe ups, the most popular ones are the ones that are anxiety. But it's like people want to learn that in their own space. They almost don't want to admit to kind of having any kind of mental like anything going on and why do you think it is that we're so scared to kind of face it or face like you know what I might have anxiety I might do something about it or do you think it's because a lot of people just think that it's not a big deal and that it's just life well I think lots of us struggle with taking care of ourselves and yeah. it can, there's a sense that we just need to put other people's needs first and just get our heads down and keep busy and, and carry on and there's almost a sense that it's selfish to look Mm. after yourself that's one thing I think another thing is that there's a lot of perfectionism especially in young women yeah where it's very scary to admit that you might not be perfect or to show you know your flaws in public or to ask for help because Mm. that would almost seem like a weakness yeah and none of us are perfect we've all got some issue every single person you meet has got something going on And I think we do need to kind of be more open about it, which is definitely happening. But I think perfectionism plays a big role in that. I think you're so right. I did a post on this last night, actually, and it went, I was not expecting it, but it's gone crazy. And I was like, it was around perfection. My anxieties in life, I guess, were a lot to do with what my body looked like and what my image was. And it was almost like a, I had like a breakthrough when I was in Australia and I was actually going through a really bad time with my body and it like poked its head out of nowhere. I'd been in such a good place and the moment I took myself out of my surroundings, my normal surroundings, I kind of just lost it. And it was so interesting yesterday because in the post I wrote, like, I was, well, who am I trying to be perfect for? Because surely that only person I should be being perfect for is myself. I mean, I had hundreds of people message me being like, oh my God, I feel like I need to look perfect all the time. And then you've just made me realise, like, who are we trying to look perfect for? And do you think that a lot of that is to do with social media, about wanting to feel like we're perfect? I think it is social media or just the media in general, yeah. you know, magazines and that sort of thing. But I think it comes down to not feeling good enough and self-esteem yeah. issues, which a lot of us we grow up with we have from a young age men and women we will take on board a lot of rubbish from our parents you know things that happen in school we take on board beliefs a lot of the stuff by the sounds I'm speaking to a lot of you guys on these podcasts and the workshops and the events and I know social media I actually try and stay away from ever asking any questions about social media because part of me thinks that there's something inside of us and I know there's a lot of talk about our egos and but part of me kind of thinks that whether it's childhood, we're conditioned in some way to believe like we aren't enough, whether it is the way that you're growing up. But I do feel like obviously social media has heightened that and it's given us so much more. But it's almost like I presume that when you do a lot of work with your clients, do you quite often start at their childhood or like go back? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, there are some people who are very aware that their childhood has played a role but lots of us and this was the case for me when I first started working on myself and my own anxiety Mm. issues I didn't want to go there it just seemed oh I don't want to think about it the past is the past I didn't want to blame my parents for things because they were really you know good parents I didn't want to 
blame them and make them feel bad. But actually, you know, no one has escaped their childhood without taking on board some rubbish. What is is your um, journey with anxiety? Like, where did it stem from with you? Lots of different reasons. I think for everyone, it's never going to be necessarily one, one thing. For me, it was about not feeling like I fitted in, not feeling good enough. I started having panic attacks at the age of 15 and I always felt like an outsider I was Mm. the tallest girl in my class I had a southern accent I was living in the north of England we were vegetarian oh wow you had it all going on Um, and I think that all culminated when I was 15 I started putting a lot of pressure on myself and thinking that I needed to fit in I started having panic attacks and that basically continued for about 10 years I didn't Mm. wow I was one of these people like a lot of the people that I meet who just thought oh this is the way I am I'm just an anxious person I just have to deal with this it's not actually possible to get better I'm just stuck this way and finally when I was about 25 I started to get some help and I learned very quickly that I could change and things could get better and I tried every type of therapy and lots of different types of meditation and lots of different techniques and I made a lot of progress but that's one of the messages that I'm trying to spread that actually you know get some help try things don't just think you're stuck that way because change is always possible I think that's the biggest issue in our industry at the moment is that people are so scared to get help because it means admitting something and it means opening that can of worms and always at the beginning I know for me it took me years to admit that I had issues around my body and what I looked like and therefore that stemmed down to what my exercise routine was like and what my food was like and also I think there's quite a lot here going on in the industry from what I've seen and what I mean the podcasts are coming back with it time and time again the surface level of girls or women especially because that's the line of work we do most but like who have got surface level anxiety or surface level issues with their body and their food but not necessarily the deep kind of spectrum of it so they don't think that they need help but it's really interesting you brought up panic attacks there because I actually experienced my first one in LA about two weeks ago so I have a real fear about pain I have an extremely high pain threshold but I'm also super sensitive so for me I won't take any tablets or any drugs or anything that the doctor prescribes me I won't even take the contraceptive pill because I'm so petrified I always get a reaction And sometimes I actually feel like that reaction is actually me bringing it on myself. So this is what I was going to ask you is in LA, I fell over really unglamorous, fell over and I like tore something in my arm and it popped out slightly. And that feeling of not having that feeling in my hand spurred me into a complete panic attack. And I was already exhausted. I was already at a really low, I'd been so busy that week and I was tired and I was in the middle of a row with my sister and I just lost it. And where I'm getting at with this is that I completely lost it for five minutes. I got to the point where I was hyperventilating and couldn't breathe. And she was the only person that calmed me down because she was saying, you're in control. You're the only person in control here. Breathe. And obviously, I do do a lot of work with meditation and breathing. And I think when she said that, it made me realize I was totally in control. So I guess my question is to you is, where is that control? Does it all sit in our mind? Do we have the capability to kind of overcome that all just with a mindset change? It's really interesting thinking about control because often when you're having a panic attack, it is the ultimate losing control because you feel as if you're dying. You feel as if your body is just doing this strange hyperventilating and heart racing that you don't have control over. And actually, 
I think it's good to remember that you have control and you can breathe deeply, but actually sometimes it's more about letting go and knowing that you can be in control of actually letting go. Yeah. And that's sometimes the key when you're having a panic attack. So I often say it's a bit like if you imagine you're in the sea Mm. and you're swimming in the sea and you get kind of pulled into a current you can either fight against the current and exhaust yourself and panic yeah or you can can just relax your body and you'd actually just float in the sea if you completely let your body go floppy the salt water would support your body and you just float in the sea wow and you could just relax into the sea and that's what we need to do if we're having a panic attack to sort of just release and let go and not try and control the panic attack and just breathe deeply and then we will just float and we'll be okay and the panic attack will end by itself that's amazing that's a really amazing way I mean a lot of the work that I've done and people have said is letting go in general in life do you think that that is a broad way to almost allow people to overcome any anxieties that they have is to let go and like trust that there is like good for them or trust that they'll be supported or do you think that's one of the things you say to your clients quite often is to let go in general it's massive it's massive but we have this idea that letting go is just this oh just let go it's so easy you know it's not easy and it's not a passive process you have to be actively letting go Mm. in every moment or reminding yourself whenever you feel that sense of anxiety you need to come back to reminding yourself to let go or reminding yourself to breathe through it This is something that I'm often talking to clients about. When you notice that heart racing, if you have to go and do a presentation or something, all you can do in that moment is breathe deeply and really breathe into your belly and allow the adrenaline to be there and allow your heart to race and know that you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Your body can handle that. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. 
Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Feeling, um, yeah, that's a big part of it. So, obviously, letting go, I think, is an amazing element. And you talked a little bit earlier about meditation. Is that something that you think is absolutely key to people overcoming anxiety? And the biggest question I get asked is they don't know how to meditate and they don't know where to begin. And just like everything else in the industry, a lot of people think there's rules around it of what you should and shouldn't do. So what's your biggest advice in terms of meditation for someone and kind of overcoming anxiety and keeping it quite simple for them as well? Yeah, I mean, I would say it is one of the most important things you can do if you Mm. have anxiety. It's almost like... I don't know, I think of it like showering every morning. You have your shower, you wash your hair, you brush your teeth, do your meditation, and you're washing the stress of the day away. It really is very important. And I think it comes down again to perfectionism and us putting pressure on ourselves. Because I remember when I first started meditating, I would sit there and I'd be like trying to sit in lotus position. I'd be really trying to focus my mind and concentrate. And if I had a load of thoughts, I'd beat myself up about it and think, I can't do this meditation is not for me yeah but actually it's not about being perfect it's not even about being good at meditating you just go through the process yeah and the benefit is in just going through the process and I would suggest to people to start off with a guided meditation don't just try and do it yourself because it's too difficult at first do a guided Mm. meditation listen while you're lying down in bed you don't need to be in any particular position or anything like that (laughs) just make it easy for yourself and you'll find that it gets a lot easier as you do it and you teach yourself to get into this deeper state through the guided meditation and then you can find other types of meditation easier as you go along yeah they kind of just come to you don't they and you've got lots of guided meditations on your website as well calm you haven't you Exactly. Yes. So I will put the link in the bottom of this. So other things, I guess, obviously meditation and letting go are kind of big lifestyle changes. But what can people do on just a day to day level, little things like saying stuff to themselves or anything that they could do that will help alleviate any anxiety? Or do you think it isn't something that can be just masked with a little bit of daily change? No, there are definitely things you can do. Yeah. Little changes that you can make. I think writing things down is really helpful and writing down what you are feeling and what you are thinking because it can seem very hectic and confusing when it's just stuck in our heads going round and round we're ruminating over something but when we get it down on paper or even if you're just writing a note in your phone it helps us to process what we're going through it helps us to offload it it's almost like you're talking to a friend and telling a friend about it but if you haven't got a friend to hand or if your friend is just listening to your worries too much then you can just write them down yeah and it makes such a difference do you know what is so funny every podcast I'm really seeing a pattern now and all of them is like whatever element or area we're talking about everyone's like meditation is key journaling is key and every time I say like for me I've only just got into both probably in the last year and both of them I totally resist it at times and I'm like don't have time for that and the longer I leave it the harder it is to get back into it but just finding that hour or half an hour or 10 minutes in the day to write down my feelings I resist it so much but nothing makes me feel better and I think it's one of those things is getting people to kind of just play with it for a bit and kind of see how they feel and see where it takes them because things just happen don't they you just write things you didn't even realize you were thinking exactly exactly and just it doesn't need to take up loads of time it can be that you do it for five minutes or you do it for five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening 
and it doesn't need to, to be this big project. Amazing. Okay, so if we're talking about things, I guess for me, my biggest anxiety is around the amount of work that I have to do. And when I'm not working, I feel guilty for not working because I have so much to do and I'm constantly kind of rushing and being busy and what does this state of being in like a rush and uh, constant having things going on in your mind do to your levels of anxiety like is it a big issue or yes I would say it is if you think about the way that we evolved what our lives were like we would be having lots of exercise, we'd be outdoors a lot, yeah. we'd be spending time with people, we'd have a lot of community. And if you compare that with what our lives can be like nowadays, yeah. with rushing around and deadlines and pressure and maybe not seeing people in real life and just connecting with people online, then our lives are very different to how our bodies are designed to be. So we put ourselves into a state of fear and fight or flight when we're rushing around. Yeah. And I think... Unfortunately, busy has become like a badge of honour and we associate busyness with success. And we look at other people and we think, oh, they're doing so many things, they must be really successful. Or I always find in London, if you ask someone how they are, 90% of the time they reply busy. Busy. And then they go, busy's good though. Yeah. (laughs) Busy's good, it's better than being not busy. And I'm like, no, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Yeah, so you've got to judge it for yourself. If you're happy being busy and you don't have any problems with anxiety, then carry on. If you are riddled with anxiety because you're pushing yourself and rushing, Mm. then maybe it is time to adjust things. And, you know, remembering that if you're too busy, your life is out of control. Yeah. You're not going to have enough time for yourself. It's not going to feel good. And so maybe it's about redefining what success is Mm. and thinking what is really important to you. Is it spending time with your friends or people that you love? Is it making sure that you have that downtime, just have a couple of nights in a week? And maybe it's about actually scheduling that into your diary and saying, this is important. You know, my mental health is important. It's important, yeah. My well-being is important. I'm going to actually make time for that. I mean, personally, I found that my work got better when I did that because I used to be in a state of always being busy Mm. scheduling things back to back and you know my heart was racing yeah you know the tube as I rushed to another meeting yeah and now having sort of taken a step back and decided I'm not going to be that person crazy busy all the time not going to be that person because it doesn't really suit me and scheduling a bit more time for myself, I found that I'm better yeah. on the work that I do do. And it's a better quality, I think. So. Yeah. No, I think you're so right there. Like, even for me, I mean, we all get lost in it. But I've had, like, probably three weeks of complete mental block. And I don't feel like I can do anything because... I am so busy doing things that I've given up on doing them all because I wasn't scheduling in that time, which I promised myself I would. And I think it's just a mindset change, isn't it? As you said about kind of identifying what is success and what is happiness because we're chasing happiness from thinking that we need to be busy all the time. But actually, aren't you just really happy when you're with your friends? And, And my best work comes when I'm at home and I've just got a day to myself after the day to myself that's the first day where I'm doing all my admin if I actually have a physical Mm. day to just or half a day to just write what I want to write and be where I want to be that's kind of where my best work is and I think one of the things you talk about in your book about how exercise can release anxiety and I do want to talk about this quite a lot because obviously I found a with my audience but b with my clients 
a lot of them are actually over-exercising. And I know that we re-release endorphins and it makes us really happy, but what are your thoughts or where's there a point where the line blurs and actually exercise could be a hindrance to someone with severe anxiety? Because I have seen that quite a lot with a lot of my clients. Yeah, I suppose it's about thinking about where is that coming from? Where is that over-exercising coming from? Is it coming from, you know, hating your body? Or is Mm. it coming from not feeling good enough or being a perfectionist? And actually, if you can get to the root of where that's coming from, then you can address that and help it to get back to a healthier level. Yeah. And I suppose certain types of exercise, like HIIT training, that are going to produce a lot of adrenaline because it's you're stressing the body, are probably not a great thing to do if you're in a state of high anxiety. And maybe it's about doing something a bit gentler or having a bit more variety there. It's one of the biggest things I see with my clients is they're so scared to change that and take that HIIT training out. It's another anxiety they have about taking it out and removing it and switching it with something like yoga because they think that their bodies, they'll put on weight and then their bodies won't change. And I'm always like, I promise you, your body will thank you for it. And it will. You'll actually probably lose weight because it's rested. And I think there's a lot of work to be done in the industry about, like, I worry about this heightened state of being in stress and anxiety all the time like I know personally for me it's affected my hormones and so where are we all going to be when this group of women all then become 35 40 and want to have babies like it's almost like how do we how do we overcome it and how do we really realize that it's something really important to work on and incorporating those things you're talking about like time to yourself do you really struggle with a lot of your clients to get them to just even put like five minutes of them time into their day yeah, it can be difficult. I think, as I said before, sometimes it feels selfish or self-indulgent to take time for yourself. But what I would say about that is that the more you can nurture yourself and take care of yourself, yeah. the better you're going to be for other people. Yeah. And the better you're going to be for your job or your, in your relationship or your friendships. You can't look after others if you are completely burnt out. So try to get away from thinking that it's selfish to take care of yourself absolutely and a lot of the work that you do with your clients is hypnotherapy isn't it yes so tell us a little bit about how that works and how you found is it very similar to guided meditation just on a deeper level it can feel a bit like a guided meditation but it's Mm. very effortless and you get into this relaxed state of mind that feels a bit like being in a daydream and it's about helping your subconscious to become more open and receptive to taking on board helpful ideas basically so you just get into this more receptive state and so you're able to change your perspective about things you're able to change the way that you think and feel about yourself you're able to let go of things from the past that might be weighing you down or holding you back somehow it's often described as being like reprogramming your subconscious you can think of it like that you're letting go of old programs like I'm not good enough and trying to take on board new ones about feeling worthy and and being in the present moment and that sort of thing that will support you in feeling calmer that's amazing and it definitely shows that it works does it with people you've seen huge differences with everyone yes I just see people for anxiety Mm -hmm. and I think part of it is that you get so relaxed in the session itself yeah it almost teaches you how to relax yeah that's a part of it and then Often anxiety is rooted in things from the past or habits that you've taken on board or pressure that you're putting on yourself. And it's just really good for releasing that and just helping you to be more present 
Amazing. Um, what kind of backpack tips can people take with them if they're walking around the street and they notice that they've got anxiety around being busy or being late? I know it's so reflective of different people and what they're struggling with, but are there any things that they can just take with them on a day-to-day basis? So they've done their journaling and they've done their meditation, but is there any other top tips you can give people to just overcome any anxiety? Yeah. So really simple, just breathe into your belly. Take mm. deep breaths and let your belly expand as you're breathing in. Yeah. So don't try and hold your belly in, really sending the air down into your belly because that signals to your body to relax, yeah. basically. So wherever you are, you can always breathe deeply to calm yourself down. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I think is really helpful is to name the emotions that you're experiencing. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, yeah. just saying to yourself, right, Becky is feeling overwhelmed now. You say it in your head. We can say it out loud. Or you say, right, Becky is feeling vulnerable right now. Becky is feeling ashamed. Whatever it is. There's something about naming your emotions that helps us to feel more in control of them. And we start to feel better as soon as we start to label and name our emotions. So it's sometimes called name it to tame it love that remember to do that do you know what I have to say I speak to myself a hell of a lot now it was weird at first and people listening like you will feel really weird if it's your first time doing it but my biggest thing is that I can like rush around obviously being so busy which is really not a good thing and when I do it I notice I trip up I drop things and I lose them so I always say to myself, like, right, where are you right now? What are you doing? Where are you? Like, calm. And I just try and bring myself back into the present because yeah. I find, like, for me, that's the one thing that really works for me. And I know everyone's super different, but I, people must look at me and be like, that girl is talking to herself. She's mad. But it really, really mm-hmm. makes you just stop and think, doesn't it? Yeah. It really yeah, does. absolutely. Any other tips that you've got? It's quite a lot. So there. another thing, if you're feeling really overwhelmed and ungrounded and you almost feel as if, I don't know, I think when we're really anxious, we can feel as if we're like floating around, we're not really really there or present. Just taking a moment to connect with your environment. So notice what you can see around you, notice what you can hear, notice what you can feel. So feel the ground underfoot and feel the air on your skin. Mm. And, you know, are there any smells around you just tuning into that? And it can just help to bring you back into your body when you're feeling ungrounded or you feel like your head's spinning because you've been rushing around all day. So it's really that bringing you back to the now, isn't it? Like learning to be in the present. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Really interesting. And at what time do you think it's the right time for someone to seek help? Because I know a lot of friends that struggle with anxiety and I know I did for years and I just, I just thought it was so normal to feel it, especially when it was around. I knew the social anxiety wasn't normal, but I also knew that that was linked to some deep stuff. So I didn't want to deal with the deep stuff, but like the general everyday anxiety, I just thought was totally normal in girls. And especially now, because it's such an epidemic. When do you think it's the right time for someone to go and like really take control of it so something that someone could do is they could google nhs mood quiz yeah and there's a quiz on the nhs website that is basically the same as the form that the doctor will give you to diagnose you with anxiety depression and so you, you can get an indication although it's not a diagnosis yeah you can get an indication of where you might be on that spectrum whether you have mild anxiety or whether it's moderate or severe yeah and it will ask you various questions. You just tick a box, basically, and you get the results instantly. Wow, so that's, that's the NHS mood quiz. Yeah. Just Google now. Asking yourself as well, you know, is it holding you back from doing things you want to do? Is it affecting your relationships? Is it affecting your sleep? Yeah. Is it 
causing you unhappiness you know and if the answer is yes to any of those then I think it's worth getting help and mm. I think we all need help at some oh God, stage absolutely. or other in our lives we all need help and there's no shame in no shame help. And one of the biggest things I'm learning at the moment or like trying to help people understand is that the moment you admit to the fact that you need help or look for it, your life just completely changes. Like we're all stuck in this not wanting to help ourselves. But it's really amazing that you say like just to admit, like, you know, admit that you need some help and that help's okay. That everybody at some point in their life needs help is probably for me one of the biggest things that I would take away from this because – we have such a stigma around it and you Mm. mentioned sleep there and like I was going to leave that one because it's but is sleep and insomnia all linked to anxiety too because that is also one of my biggest biggest things is when I'm stressed I cannot sleep or yeah it seems to be I mean I'm not saying that stress is the only cause of insomnia because it's more complicated than that but lots of people find themselves ruminating or dreading the next day and wondering how they're going to cope or just having their to-do list going around and around in their heads and it is a big issue and I think sometimes it can spiral because if you have a few nights where you can't sleep you start to expect that you're not going to sleep and then you have anxiety about even going to bed in the first place my auntie has that big time she's like I haven't slept for 10 years I don't expect it now and I'm like oh no and is there anything that people can do when they're in bed is there any tricks that you've got or is it just a general thing that they need to work on or is there anything that you can suggest yeah so again about writing things down just brain dump your to-do list or your worries and just write them down have a notebook by your bed and just write a few lines or a page or something of Mm. anything that's on your mind because if you're able just to offload it then hopefully you're not gonna have it kind of running around your head as you're trying to get to sleep so doing that also there are different herbal supplements I'm not suggesting that everyone should be popping pills or things like (laughs) valerian root and ashwagandha are really good for sleep things that I have been taking on occasion and my boyfriend takes as well, yeah. which seem to work. And I there's actually them. evidence to suggest that they help. I also put Things- on essential oils on my <laughs> key points. But again, I don't know if yeah. that's just a mindset thing that like by putting them on there, I'm expecting to sleep and then I have a really deep sleep. But I put like lavender and stuff on my pillows as well. Yeah. And another really simple thing is just read a book mm. for 20 minutes. Not a heavy book, not a crime thriller. Yeah. Something lighthearted, a yeah. lighthearted novel. That's when not I read all my self-help books. Book. That's when I read all my self-help yeah. books because I just, I fall asleep reading them. They're so easy reading and you feel amazing and then I wake up in a good mood. So that's yeah. when I do it. Yeah. But I have to make sure I go to bed earlier, otherwise I'm exhausted. I get like a page in and then I'm completely yeah. gone. All amazing. So I feel like there's so much that people can take away from this. But obviously you had your book, Karma You, The Anxiety Solution, which just came out. Was that last year or this year? It was last year. It was last, last year, wasn't year. it? And yeah. that was a huge help for me. I've got it literally here on my desk now. But I absolutely love this. So if anyone is listening to the podcast and they don't already have Chloe's book please get it we'll put the link to amazon in the post on the page and what else can we expect from you this year i know that you've just started enrollment well i know you've closed enrollment you've started your online program haven't you yeah so that started today and it opens again in september 2018 so people can keep an eye out for that i've also got a podcast yes karma you podcast and, and, and you get loads of people on board. You get loads of experts on board for that, don't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. I have to get used to. And is well, it all actually. about, yeah, my God. And do you kind of tend to focus all around the elements of being calmer and more relaxed? So, you... yeah, it's about calmness, confidence and happiness. Oh, broadly. I love that. So all those aspects and all the different things that we can be doing to 
promote amazing fabulous and is book number two on its way for you maybe one day it's in the works fabulous slow progression (laughs) fabulous good well amazing thank you so so much for coming on today and all of chloe's links to her website her book her podcast will be in the show notes and at the bottom of this guys as someone who did battle with anxiety for years and years and years i cannot 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 I cannot recommend you enough. I've had one-to-one sessions with Chloe. You gave me hypnotherapy, actually, not that long ago, and it was amazing. So you also do one-to-one Skype sessions with clients, don't you? So they can get in contact with you there. Thank you all for listening. Chloe, thank you so much today for coming. Well, for Skyping. Thanks. Good to chat to you. You have been listening to the Alternatively Healthy Wellness Podcast Series by Becky Rabin. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please feel free to leave your comments and feedback below and don't forget to give us a lovely little rating. For more information on our podcasts, other episodes and to find out more about what we do, please visit www.alternativelyhealthy.co.uk And remember, shaping the healthiest version of you means looking purely at you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.